Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. God is our true Father and we are His true children because of Jesus for you. Wade, that's not even a complete sentence and it doesn't make any sense. Well, if you don't get the Jesus for you part, you haven't been paying attention for like a year, okay? Uh, (laughs) But we'll get there, we'll get there. So God is our true Father and we are His true children because of Jesus for you you. Now, to look at the Lord's Prayer this morning, we don't just want to look at two words, okay? We could. I think that there's that much there. But what we're going to do is we're going to start at the beginning of chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel this morning. Um, There's also the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel, and next week we'll be touching on that just a little bit, looking at the differences between the two and why there would need to be differences. Well, let's start Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Three simple reasons why we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. Three simple reasons. One, it's in God's Word. So why should you pray it? Because it's in God's Word. 
Reason number two, it was given to us by the Word of God Himself, right? The Word made flesh, Jesus, gave us these words to pray. And then lastly, why should we study this prayer? What's a reason why we should be studying this prayer and praying this prayer? Because it's short. Okay. <laughs> because it's short. It's memorable. It's something you can carry with you. Right? Okay. So it's in God's Word. It was given to us by the Word, and it's short. In fact, I would say very mercifully short. In verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6, we see a pattern that Jesus is going to use here to teach us things. He continues on doing it, talking about fasting and how we act with the gifts that God has given to us. Okay? But here, he's focusing on really the giving of gifts to people. Uh, generousness, right? And he's saying, beware of being generous so that your neighbor sees you being generous. Right? Because... If you're doing that, you've already received your, work, your reward. Your neighbor has seen you. You think <laughs> that somehow by being generous, you are going to save yourself. But your father will not reward that. You have already received your reward. That's verses 1 through 4. But then as we touch on prayer... Um, Jesus is going to use that same pattern to teach us about prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, verse 5. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What is their reward? Their reward is being seen by others to be very holy people who pray. Now, I don't want you to point fingers or to think about anyone too specifically, and yet we all know people like this, right? We do. We all know people who really like to hear themselves pray, and they really like to know that other people are hearing them pray. In fact, we have whole religions devoted to it who will specifically set aside times in the day to go and to pray because they think that their faithfulness in going and praying is going to save them when the day of judgment comes. And yet that is not true. Their righteousness can not save them. The same is true with these people. Indeed, they have already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who, in, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Are we getting secret rewards? No? <laughs> okay. What is the reward that we're receiving here? I think from the previous four verses, from these verses, going on in Jesus' teaching, looking back at chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, I think this reward that Jesus is talking about here is the eternal reward that we have spending with God and His people in His place, experiencing the fullness 
of his blessings. Okay? This is the reward that we're talking about. These verses can be so easily twisted that, well, you know, if you just follow this pattern of prayer properly, all of your prayers will be answered. All of your wildest dreams will come true. That's not what Jesus is teaching us here. There is a reward. And the reward isn't even for praying. It's what's behind the reason why we're praying. It's admitting that we need help from God. That we need help. That we need a rescuer. That we need a savior. That we can't do it all on our own. This is one of the major reasons why we pray. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus here is saying, please, do not pray like a pagan. Don't pray like a pagan. How does a pagan, how does a pagan pray? <laughs> okay, pagan, pagan, that's a word now. No, how does a pagan pray? Okay, well, a couple of ways. We've already seen one way, actually. This is the first religion, right? This is um, the old Adam's religion of our self-righteousness saving us. That's the number one way that a pagan prays thinking that they can save themselves. And the second way is that if I can just say the right words at the right time and in the right number, God will have no choice but to hear me and to answer my prayers. Now, I know that we've all seen this before too. And culturally speaking, there are different prayer practices that are not wrong. Okay? I don't want to go down that line of thinking. People pray differently, and that is okay. And yet, we've all seen people who, you know, whether it be in worship, or whether it be in prayer, or whether it be in a public prayer, in worship, somehow summoning God to the place where we're standing. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Holy Spirit, come, oh Jesus, 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 Jesus. Right? We've heard that before. That somehow if we just say the name enough, surely Jesus will hear us this time. But the very first two words of this prayer that we're going to read today are a reminder to us that we don't need to constantly be, one, inviting God the Holy Spirit because He is here with us. He promises to be here with us whether you invite Him here or not. And secondly, we don't need to constantly be asking Jesus to hear our prayers, God the Father to hear our prayers because He is our Father who is listening and He already knows what we need before we ask. So Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't be a whitewashed tomb, right? Where everything looks pretty on the inside and on the, on the outside, but on the inside, it's rotten. And it, it's, it's full of self-righteousness. 
Um, I was thinking about, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is an interesting verse because count others in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Look, I've been taught that we're all equal, right? I'm going to treat everyone equally, just like the way that I'm going to treat myself. Whereas Paul says, no, in humility, treat everyone else better than you treat yourself. Specifically, he's talking about in the church here. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition. There are very few things that I don't do with a tinge of selfish ambition, right? If I write a prayer, I want that prayer to sound good because I like writing nice things. That's true. (laughs) I I don't have any ambition that anyone's going to give me some sort of award for prayer, and yet at the same time, I want that prayer to use the right words theologically, and I want that prayer to sound good. And when I'm serving or when you're serving, we do it not to be noticed, and yet at the same time, we also do it feeling like, yes, I've done my duty here today. We're encouraged to do nothing out of selfish ambition, and yet this is what the giving in the first four verses of chapter 6 are. This is what the praying in in these verses in chapter 6 are as well. So don't pray like a whitewashed tomb with conceit and ambition for yourself. And don't pray like a pagan. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father. Now for many of us, um, I'm privileged. I'm a privileged person. I have a Father that uh, I look up to in all of His faults and foibles. I look up to Him. I love him. He did nothing but sacrifice for me and care for me. And I remember um, ever since I was about four or five years old, whenever someone asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, the very first thing I would say was, I would like to be a father. Ever since I was young. And um, I'm privileged in the sense then that I can go, I can read these verses in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus says, Our Father. And I have this wonderful picture of what a father does for you and everything that a father sacrifices for you. But I know for many of us in this room, our fathers were not loving. They were not self-sacrificing. They did everything from selfish ambition and conceit. Or they just weren't there. Either because they left. Either because they left or because they died. So what do we need to know this morning when we pray our Father? The biblical picture of a father is that. One that sacrifices. One that gives of himself. One that loves without reservation. 
One that cares. One that cares enough to punish you when you're in trouble. One that cares enough to correct you when you need it. And also, one that cares about you enough and knows enough about you that he knows what you need before you even know that you need it. Right? Finn, I'm going to use you as an example right now. No offense. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, Finn was very tired, didn't want to take a nap, and I finally just said, Finnegan, go take a nap. And then you went and took a nap, and you woke up an hour and a half later, and you came to me and you said, you know what, I did need a nap, Dad. Is that a true story? That's a true story. That happens. Finnegan didn't know what he needed. I knew it before he knew it. And maybe I didn't give, it, give you a nap as graciously as I should have, Finn, but you got the nap anyway. So when we pray our Father, we're praying to someone that loves unconditionally. Someone that corrects you when you need it. Someone that gives you everything that you need and more. But here's the other interesting thing. In Luke's Gospel, this prayer is prompted because of a question asked by one of the disciples. They say, how should we pray? And Jesus says, you should pray like this, our Father. Now the question was asked, how should we pray? And yet at the same time, it's very interesting that the word our is used here. Because this word is to say that it's a group of people's father. Not just my father who's in heaven, right? But it's our father together. Why is this? Because each and every one of us have brought, been brought in to God's family. We have been united to one another by being united with Christ. And that's why here at Mountain View we can say working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to worship and scatter to share the good news about the person and work of Jesus. Because we have been united together. The dividing wall of hostility, hostility has been knocked down between us. And no matter what we look like, what we talk like, how we act, how we pray, we have a singular Father, our Father, to pray to. And so we can pray together, our Father. We pray because we need to pray. Each and every time that we pray, it's us saying to God, I can't do this on my own. Each and every time that we pray, it's us saying to God, I feel alone and I need the love of a father right now. Each and every time we pray, we pray to a good father who also knows that his children need help and knows how to help us before we even knew what we needed. Our Father in heaven. What does this tell us about our Father? That He's absent? Oh great, another absent Father. No, what it does tell us is that this Father is utterly different than our earthly fathers. Who, even when we have a good one, will disappoint us. 
They will hold some sort of idea that we think to be insane. They will slip up just once and show the kind of aggression or lack of love that we never thought that we would see from our own parent. This father that we're praying to is absolutely other, absolutely outside of that. This father is in a place that is defined by its holiness, its set-apartness, its perfection, and its completeness. This father that we're praying to is just that. He is our perfect father who has gathered us together as his children. Ephesians 1 Verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Or Romans 8, verse 15 for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified in Him, with Him. One more verse, Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We'll talk more about that will of God next week. But here what we see is that our prayers, not only are we asking for help when we pray, but our prayers need help. Our prayers need help. And God the Father knows that too. And because of that, through His Spirit, He comes alongside of us in prayer. Those words that we mess up, those, those theological ideas that we get wrong, the bad ideas we have about who God may or may not be, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and carries us through that prayer. So that, with all honesty, no matter what we're feeling, in fact, we can pray, our Father who is in heaven. And we can know that we are sons and daughters because we have union, we have been united with Christ. We have been made one with Him.
One theologian said this about this part of the prayer. Our Father who's in heaven. With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children. So that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children, ask their dear father. Our father. God is our true father and we are his true children because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. On that note, we're going to be sharing in the Lord's Supper this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to prepare the meal. As I do that, I would ask for you to think about God as your Father. And I would like for you to go before this good Father who is able and willing to forgive you of any sin that you're bringing in, bearing with you this morning. Let me pray for us. Our Father, you are not only that in a name, you are who we look to, whether we're in trouble or in joy, in success or failure. You lift our heads and you pick us up. You, Father, you call us into communion, into a deep relationship with yourself and with your sons or daughters sitting next to us. You have adopted us and you have made us your own by making us one with Jesus through his perfect work on the cross. Father, make us remember always to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to celebrate with them, to mourn with them, because we share one Father, one Savior, one hope, and one future. Because of your great love shown for us, may we ever, only, and always be pressing forward to place all of our fear, love, and trust in you. Finding our only righteousness in Jesus and our only glory in you, God. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.